And as you can see from this really cool graphic I put up, we are week five into our six-week series through Hebrews in which we are finding that Jesus is not just the answer to life's problems. He's so much more than that. He is more than an answer. I'm going to move this down. I needed that first service because my microphone, I didn't know, I turned on wrong. We don't need it now. Five weeks uh, so far into Hebrews. And uh, what we've been finding in Hebrews is that Jesus is phenomenal. He is superior in all ways. And today, one of my very favorite passages that we are areas that the, the writer of Hebrews talks about is, is Jesus is actually even a better sacrifice. And of course, our memory verse then this week is going to be dealing with that. It comes from our passages. It comes from Hebrews 9.12. And the memory verse today is this. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Now, we're going to talk about why that's such incredible news. But uh, before we do that, I'd like you to memorize this with me. So please say it along with me. Here we go. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Hebrews 9, 12. Very good. Again. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Hebrews 9.12. All right, one more time with all the words. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Hebrews 9.12. All right, we can lose some letters so we can really get to memorizing. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once and for all time and secured our redemption forever. Hebrews 9.12. All right, again with that. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Hebrews 9.12. All right, here we go. We don't need those letters anymore. You have it. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Hebrews 9.12. Oh, give yourselves a hand. You are so smart today. All right. Now what's going to happen is you're going to leave and stop being so smart. And so you want to remember that, and it's repetition is so important. So take in your bulletin, um, there is a memory verse card. It's right in there. You want to take one of those out, and you can put it in your pocket. And last week at Life Group, I found the most remarkable way of, of keeping this with you. Does anybody have a cell phone? You all have cell phones? One of our members, brilliant, put it inside. He had a clear cell phone case. Put it right inside the cell phone case all week long. Where is it? Right there. Which is so cool. And then we thought, well, you have to have a clear cell phone case as to make that work. And then his wife said, well, you could just use tape. <laughs> Brilliant! <laughs> so, if there's just an idea. If you want to have that accurate, you have that really close to you, you can memorize it throughout the week. And, and it's amazing what God will do as we put God's Word into our hearts. So I encourage you, not, don't just memorize it. Think about what it says. And we're going to be talking about that today. Now, up to this point... Um, for those who haven't been here so far, uh, to realize that the book of Hebrews was written 
to a very specific group of Christians. That's for all of us, but it was originally written for a group of Christians who were Jews in Rome during the persecution under Nero. And at that time, there was still the temple in Jerusalem. And these Christian Jews had a dilemma. Do they stay with Jesus and continue to live in fear, suffer tortures and and horrific persecutions so that they can be with the Messiah? Or do they abandon that and go back to the law and the sacrificial systems that God set up, he authorized, through the Old Testament? And they could still do that because the temple was still there. There was still a high priest. There were still sacrifices being offered. And so Jesus cost them a lot. And at this time, to go back to the law was very, very tempting. And so the writer of Hebrews writes about why it's not a good idea to abandon Jesus. And he does this by saying he's not just the answer to your problem, you uh, fellow brothers and sisters that are going through hard times. He's not just the answer to your problem, he's so much more. We don't abandon Jesus, not just because of what he can do for me, but because of who he is. And he starts by, by beginning to say, Jesus is God's authorized word to us. The last one, there is nobody coming afterwards. He is the best last word of God. And he talks about that he's not just God's best last word, he's better than angels. That even the angels in heaven are commanded to worship Jesus. So even if an angel comes down and preaches a gospel other than the one that, that Christ has preached, then let that person be eternally condemned, right? Not even angels can change the good news of what Jesus has done. Jesus is superior. And not only superior to angels, he's superior to Abraham. He's a better identity. And if you got to identify with two different people, why wouldn't you identify with the one who is superior? Not is he better than Abraham, he's superior to Moses, the lawgiver. He's superior to the law itself. And then last week we talked about he's superior even to those who mediate that law. He's superior to the high priests. In fact, he's a part of a whole different kind of priesthood, a whole different covenant, a better covenant. And then today, he talks about this. He's actually even better than the sacrifice itself. And so why would we go back to the sacrifice? Now, we would look at this and we would say, well, of course, Jesus is better than the angels. He's God. And of course, Jesus is better than Abraham because he's God. And of course, Jesus is better than Moses because he's God. And of course, he's better than the high priest because he's God, right? But how could Jesus, how could God be a better sacrifice? We'll talk about today why it was essential that God become that better sacrifice for us. Now, the author begins with this. He talks about how Jesus is a better sacrifice beginning with is he serves in a better temple. This sacrifice was made in a much better place. So the high priest had a sacrifice and that sacrifice was made in a temple on earth. It says the first covenant between God and Israel uh, was practiced and it had a, a uh, it was uh, made and it had this place on earth. I don't know why that forwarded. God didn't want me to read that apparently, but it <laughs> says there was a place on earth that they lived. And so the place that sacrifice was made. And there's a reason for that because the earthly priests couldn't go to heaven to make sacrifice. They're not perfect. And that's the thing about us humans is we're kind of limited to this planet. And so the best that we got was we got to go into an earthly temple. And it was a great place. There was a holy, of ho- there was a holy place. And then the high priest, once a year, with blood, first for himself and then for somebody else, could go behind this massive thick curtain that separated everything and they would go and the, and the Ark of the Covenant was there and the mercy seat was on top of it and he would sprinkle the blood on that, that seat. And that was placed, it was the most holy piece of real estate on the earth for all time. An amazing place. But Jesus did something even better than that. 
He didn't have to go into a room on earth. It says, so Christ now became the high priest over all the good things to come. And he has entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven. No human has ever done this. He brought his sacrifice right to God in heaven. Not a place that was made by human hands or a part of this created world. And I think that's pretty phenomenal that this sacrifice was brought to the highest courts. I mean, you couldn't become, you can't find a more holy place. And that's where Jesus brings his sacrifice. And so we know it was accepted. We have this. He entered heaven itself to appear before God on our behalf. It wasn't that Jesus just went into to heaven for fun. He didn't just go to heaven because he could. He went to heaven for a purpose. When he was in heaven's tabernacle, he was there for you and me. He didn't have to go there for himself. He didn't bring, bring blood for his own sins like the priests of this world. He was there for us. That is fascinating. But it's also deeply comforting that atonement has been made for us right with God. Right where God is. Amazing. Jesus doesn't just serve in a better place. His, off- his sacrifice wasn't just better because it was an offered in the best possible place. But also... He offers better blood. Again, I don't know why he doesn't want you to see that, but there you go. Jesus' sacrifice, uh, it says this in, in chapter 9, verses 9 and 10, for the gifts and the sacrifice the priests offer are not able to cleanse the consciences of the people who bring them. Can't do it. For that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies, physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system was established. Remember that the high priest, they would offer these sacrifices according to the law and the best those sacrifices could do would provide an external or a temporary uh, 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 righteousness. And it was a, uh, they would call this, you are ceremonially righteous. And it was that ceremonial righteousness that allowed the high priest to go into the Holy of Holies and not be struck dead instantly but it didn't really purify his heart. And it was a temporary thing. The sacrifice of the priests also is this. Uh, the blood offered by priests confirms an inferior covenant. Not only was it temperated external things, but it was not what God originally wanted for, for us. It says, For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of the calves and goats. Remember, Jesus didn't offer blood of calves and goats, but the blood of calves and goats along with water, and sprinkled them on the book of God's law, and all the people using hyssop, branches, and scarlet wool. Then he said, this is blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And that's how the covenant was made. And, and we read in, in the Old Testament, that, that and uh, you would say, well, why on earth would you have to do that? Well, if this week I encourage you to read chapters 9 and 10 in Hebrews, and it talks about why it was so important that everything be, be sprinkled with blood. But that's how the covenant was confirmed. And we find out with that that the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. So this covenant was sprinkled by blood. It was confirmed. This is what God wanted to do. But God knew that that covenant was a shadow. It's not bad, but it's not the real thing. It was a preview. It's like this. When you, say you're watching TV, you're watching your favorite show, and then a commercial comes on for a movie, Right? And you get to watch a minute and a half of the movie, and it's really interesting. And you say to yourself, I want to watch that movie. What you don't say to yourself is, I just watched that movie. You got a preview. And the preview is great, but it's not as good as the whole thing, is it? 
It's not the same thing. God gave us a preview so we knew what to expect in Jesus. And the blood that was offered by the priests confirms the preview. And it's not bad, but it's limited. Jesus offers better blood, or the blood of the, the priest was this. It, it cannot provide forgiveness. The high priest would bring in uh, his, his sacrifices. And this is what the scripture says. It says those sacrifices that the priests made actually reminded them, that's the people of Israel, of their sins year after year. Isn't that true? Every time that they took an animal and they brought it to the priest to be slaughtered on their behalf, they would be reminded of the rebellion against God, their sins, every single year. As the smoke came up from that holy hill and they saw it rise, it would be a reminder of the consequences of, the, of, of all of our rebellion against God year after year. It says, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And there's a reason for that. We see that the blood of bulls and goats is like this. Um, God gives us a gift. A gift is life. It's like if you were born and you had no money and then God gave you a dollar bill. Like that's a gift. You can't earn dollars, but he gave you one. Now you have a dollar. How fantastic is that? You have a dollar bill. And he says, don't go blowing that all in one place. But you're walking down the street and you see McDonald's. And you see they have a dollar menu. And you say, I'm going to order a burger. How much is that? It's a dollar. So you get it. How much money do you have now? Nothing. You're broke. Now, it says like this. In, in the Bible, it says the, the wage or the cost of sin is death. death. It costs one life, doesn't it? Once you give that, do you have your life anymore? Do you have the dollar? No. Now, say you're at McDonald's and you spend your dollar. You're broke, right? And there are a thousand sheeps and goats behind you. Can they pay your bill? A million of them. It's impossible for bulls and goats to take away sin. They don't pay for it. Another way of looking at this, what is the value of a human versus animal? Animals and humans are not the same. We are made to create in the image of God. So like this, if you are a parent or grandparent, take your favorite child or grandchild, not your least favorite, even though it should still count, but your favorite. How many cats or dogs would you trade for that child's life? Ten, hundred, million, thousand, a world full of them? It wouldn't matter. Right? Human life is different. They can't pay for your sin. Never were able to. And so the sacrifices that were made were not there to make full atonement. They could not take away sins. Jesus' blood is different because the blood offered by priests must continue to be offered. And it goes back to that point. Those animals, they didn't ever purify us, did they? It says in the scripture, under the old covenant, priests stands and ministers before the altar day after day offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sin. And this was well known. It, 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 it can't happen. Those sacrifices have to continually, perpetually be offered over and over and over again because no matter how many times the sacrifices were made, they never solved the problem. We're still guilty in our sin before God. 
The blood offered by Jesus, however, is different. It permanently cleanses our consciences. Not just gives us ceremonial temporary cleansing, but Jesus gives us eternal change. He cleanses us once for all time. It says under the old system, the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. That's the ceremonial cleansing. But just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from shameful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sin. He permanently cleanses us. Not just once and then we've got to keep going back. It's not like we've got to keep sacrificing Jesus over and over and over again. It's like that, that McDonald's analogy. You go there and you are in line and you can't pay for your order. Now here's an interesting thought for you. Every burger costs a dollar. You have one dollar. Every sin costs a life. How many times have you sinned? Say I ordered two burgers, right? And there's a guy behind me in line that still has his dollar. And he says, I will pay for the extra burger. Now there are two broke guys. I'm still broke, and now he's broke. Well, I've ordered a lot of burgers, let me tell you what. It would take an army of completely righteous people. People have never sinned on their own. They have no sin of them. They have never ordered a burger for themselves. They'd have to be willing to pay on my behalf. It would take an army of them to save me. And we know in the scripture it says no one is righteous, not even one. There's not even a guy behind me in line who said he could. But that's why it's so important that the guy who pays my tab is not just human. But if he was, Jesus could only pay for one of my sins and I would still be just as broke. And so would you. But Jesus does something amazing. He cleanses our consciences forever. Something that bulls and goats, their sacrifice, never could. Jesus' blood is better because it confirms a better covenant. Remember the old covenant we talked about last week was the covenant of law. Do these things or die. And Jesus confirms a better covenant. We, it's a covenant of grace. It says, for Christ said, you did not want the animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second to effect. This is a difficult passage for us. And we say, well, did God make a mistake in putting the old covenant there? No, he gave us a preview. But if I'm watching a preview, you can imagine like the director of a movie sends out the preview first. Is that his desire for you, is just to watch the preview? Is that what he wanted to do when he made that whole thing, put all that expense, set you up, and then you just watch a preview, and you're like, okay, that's good. No. The preview's not bad, but it wasn't the ultimate end game. It's not what God was about. And Jesus said, I'm here to do what you're about. I'm ready to bring about the real sacrifice. And he says, look, I've come to do your will. And so that first covenant now is canceled. That means it's been fulfilled. I have, from time to time, folks will come to my office uh, out of genuine ignorance, not willful, mean ignorance usually, but genuine, they just don't understand. And this is what they don't understand. Is they don't understand that the Bible has lots of covenants in it. You know, there's six covenants in the Bible. And you start with the covenant God made with Adam, and you have the covenant God made with Noah, and you have the covenant God made with Abraham, and you have the covenant that God made with Moses. And you have the covenant that God made with David. 
And now you got the covenant, the new covenant that God makes with us. And I ask these folks as they sit down and, and debate, they say, well, they read Leviticus usually, and they say, well, it says here you're not supposed to eat lobster, and it says that you're not supposed to, to murder people, and you're supposed to not, you know, uh, you know, marry your mom. So which of these am I supposed to obey and which one's not? It seems like we're just picking and choosing which laws to obey and which laws not to obey. And I asked them this. I said, which of the French laws do you obey? Because the French tell me all kinds of things about what kind of tax rate I'm supposed to pay them, uh, where I'm supposed to park, right? All kinds of traffic laws, things like this. They also tell me things like this. I'm not supposed to murder. I'm supposed to be honest in my business dealings. The French have lots of laws like that. Which of those do I obey and not obey? I don't obey any of them. I'm not French. But you know, there is a law. I'm part of a covenant in the United States that has some laws. Some of them are similar. It doesn't have all the same laws. Some of them are different. I can park in different places in the French can and I pay a different tax level, right? But I don't murder people. And I'm still not allowed to go out and, and to rip people off and, and to commit all those kinds of crimes, right? The reason I obey those laws as an American citizen is because I'm American. And yeah, they may be some of the same laws, but I don't obey those laws because they're French. Here's the thing. God made a covenant with the Jews. A covenant of a preview. He set things up so we'd understand what was going to happen. And Jesus fulfilled that covenant. I'm not part of that covenant. I wasn't fortunate enough to be born into that. But God fulfilled it for our purpose. He fulfilled it. And so I don't murder people not because I read it in, in Moses' law. I don't murder people because God is now writing his law in my heart. I'm part of a new covenant. It's an amazing thing. And Jesus canceled that first one. Why? To put a second or a better one into effect. And we're part of a much better covenant. And it's confirmed, just like the first covenant was, with blood. But a much better blood. Jesus' blood is better too because it brings eternal redemption. The blood of bulls and goats couldn't take away sins. Guess what Jesus' blood can do? Take away sins. This is fascinating. It says, so Christ has now become the high priest over all good things that have come. And he has entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. Right? We read that before, but now get to this. Is that he did not enter with the blood of bulls and goats. He entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. So it's like this. I've got one dollar. God gave me a life. That's what I have and I can spend it if I want. The wage of sin is death. But the verse goes on. It says, but the free gift of God's eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. This is what it means. I'm standing at that window and I say, I would like 20 burgers. And you say, that's $20. I have got a dollar. Well, now you're broke and you still owe. Oh. I've got a guy behind me in line that says, I've got an unlimited account. I'll pick up your tab, but it's going to cost you. He's got a debit card right to his account. Unlimited funds. He's not even a trillionaire. He's like an unlimited heir. You can't even imagine. And he gives me, he says, I will give you my debit card, but you have to give me your dollar. Can't hold the both. Well, I make the exchange. I've got this debit card. It's unlimited. Unlimited. Am I broke? I, I gave up my dollar, but am I broke? No. 
I have eternal funds. It says that we have eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm standing before that window. He gives me the great trade. I make the exchange. I give up my life so I can take a hold of his. And guess what? Every one of those burgers, no matter how many I have purchased, are purchased. And what happens if tomorrow I, I fall into sin again and I go back to McDonald's and I buy more burgers? Am I broke? No. What about in 20 years from now, if I go back there and I say, I'm going to buy everything on the menu. I just fell off the wagon. I got off my diet. And I buy one of everything. Am I broke? Jesus once for all time secured our redemption. That's what eternal life means. That's why it's so important that we understand that Jesus was not just a man. He is also God. Because only God is eternal life. That's why the grave couldn't keep him. Jesus gave his life. He died. But eternal life, you have infinity, and you take away anything from infinity, what do you still have? Infinity. Jesus was never diminished, not even in the slightest. He beat death. He paid it off. And he says, this account is for you. Once for all time. Once for all time. That's why there's no more crosses going up. That's why Jesus doesn't have to come down every single time I sin and go back on the cross. That's why it's so ridiculous when people say, you know what? Every time you sin, you're putting Jesus right back on the cross. No! Once for all time. He paid it. Not because we were so good, but because he is amazing. That's what it means by having a God who would come down. He's got better blood. His sacrifice was something that no human could ever procure. It was a gift that only God could give. Once for all time. Jesus' blood is better because it was only offered once. Only once. Of course, in our passage there, as the chapter 10, verse 8 and 9, it says, But our high priest offers himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time, that he sat down in the place at God's right hand. Jesus isn't up in heaven continually making sacrifice. He's not like the high priest that's got to keep going back into the Holy of Holies and make sacrifice year after year. When we get to heaven, it's not like Jesus is going to be up there working in that tabernacle, continuing to bring sacrifices to his Father once for all time. It's done. And what did he do? He sat down because he did the work. And this is what it means for you and me. We don't have to work out that part of our salvation. We don't have to earn it. If you think about what the Hebrews were, were, were dealing with, the question that they were asking, I want to be right with God. Is what they, were, they really want to be right with God. They, these are Jews that had already been kicked out of, Jerusalem, out of Rome once, had already lost their businesses and their livelihoods and already suffered great for Jesus and eventually got to come back. They'd already suffered once for Jesus. Not these, these weren't lightweights. They came back and now things were really bad. And the question was, how do I stay right with God? Jesus is going to cost, sticking with Jesus is going to cost us everything. It's going to be terrible. And there's a lot of fear and all that kind of stuff that was there. So their question was, should we go back to the temple? The temple's still there. Hasn't been ta- they didn't know it was going to get broken down just a couple of years later. But do we go back to God's regulations, the law? Can we be right with God then? And here's the thing, is, they, is the author says, listen, why, do you go, why would you go back to a preview and you can watch the whole film? Right? Why would you go back to IOUs when you can actually have unlimited access to righteousness. Now, Jesus isn't the answer to your sin problem. He's so much more than that. He is God. He came because he loves you. That's why he came. And we have security in him because he's never going to go bankrupt. It's an amazing thing. 
As I bring this to a close and I ask our worship team to come up, I want us to ask ourselves this question then because you say, I'm not a Jew, Aaron. I've never brought sac- sacrifices to the temple. Never once. Well, neither have I. But you know what I have done? And I think a lot of us have. Is we have our own little sacrificial system going on in our lives, don't we? Like I sin and I feel bad about it and then what do I do? I start to try to negotiate, be my own priest before God. And I say to God, Lord, forgive me for this. And if you forgive me for this, and, and, and you know, don't take it out on me, just give me some mercy, then I will do this and this. I will sacrifice this thing in my life. I'm never going to do it again. I'm going to sacrifice it for you. Or I'm never going to go back and do that thing again. I'll sacrifice that out of my life for you. Just so you'll be right with me. Here's the thing. You don't have to be your own high priest. One, you weren't authorized to. You were born of the wrong family and no one ever said you could be. Two, you don't have a sacrifice really to bring. (laughs) And so we're just puffing ourselves up. But here's the bigger thing, is even if you could, even if you you say, okay, God, I'm going to negotiate with you, you're bankrupt. We don't have to negotiate our salvation with God anymore. And it's not because of anything you did. It's because of who Jesus is and what he has done. And that frees us to live an entirely new way. The Christian life isn't a life of guilt that propels us into trying to earn favor with God. You know what Jesus said? God so loved the world, loved it, already did, that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That is the power of Christ in us. We don't negotiate our salvation with God, but we do have to trade our life to take hold of his. What a wonderful exchange that is, huh? So as we bring this to a close and say, well, how do I put this into practice? There's that connection card. Pull that out if you wouldn't mind. I have some ideas for you. Last thing we want to do is walk away from God's word unchanged. First thing I would suggest, maybe you could do this week, maybe this is... All you do is memorize that passage, Hebrews 9.12. Why? Because the temptation to become our own priest is a big one, isn't it? Time and time again, guilt's going to come back into our lives. You're going to mess up. Your flesh will fail you, but your God never will. You need to know that from God's word. Tattoo that on your heart. He didn't bring the blood of bulls and goats that were temporary. He offered his own blood once and for all time and he didn't just do it anywhere he went into the most holy place where it would be accepted and he did it so you can live according to grace and the freedom and the power of Christ in you not by guilt or fear God loves you and he's never going to abandon you so tattoo this on your heart so when you mess up you know you have a high priest that's already done business with God on your behalf and he wants to not just write a law on the outside of your heart to give you ceremonial cleansing he said he's going to write his law on the inside of your heart That's where the new covenant is written. And those things that you hate doing, you're not going to stop doing them just because you have the great amount of will and you're going to sacrifice those things. No. God's going to write his law on your heart. He's going to change you. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe you need to memorize this passage so the power of God's word can do its work in your life. Maybe that's what you do this week. Or how about this? Maybe you read Hebrews 9 and 10. There is no substitute for actually reading the word of God yourself. Don't take my word for it. Read it. Read chapters 9 and 10 as you go through Hebrews. Find out why it's so important that blood be sacrificed in order to make these covenants come into place. What does that really mean? 
Maybe that's what you do this week. So I'm going to read these passages. I'm going to pray about them. I'm going to think about them this week. Or maybe you're going to surrender your guilt and your shame as you praise God for his forgiveness. I worded that very specific. You have to surrender your guilt. God's not going to take it. You have to give it up. You have that receipt that says, I did these ugly things. Put it down. It's been paid for. Don't be clinging to those things and holding on to them. There is no rewards in heaven for the most miserable Christian. Surrender them. He paid for it, so do it. And as you do, praise God for what he's done. The power of a Christian life isn't so much feeling bad for what God did. He wanted to save you. He wanted to do it. It gave him great pleasure to come and to, to redeem us. So maybe this week is to lay those things down and say, thank you. When you mess up, don't feel like you've got to run from God because he disappointed you. Run to him because he loves you. And say, thank you for paying that. Thank you for making me right with the Father. Thank you for securing my salvation. Thank you for forgiveness. Praise him. Because you know what happens when we praise God? One, we give him what he deserves. But two, we remember what he's done and it helps us love him more. And what's the greatest commandment? Love him with everything we are. So instead of having your sins be a perpetual reminder of how much we've messed up on God, when you mess up, go to God and have that be a perpetual reminder of how great he is. What an amazing God he is. He's not just the answer to your problem. He's so much more. Or how about this? This is a very practical one, but it's important. Send two notes of encouragement this week, maybe to a church family member or maybe to a missionary. Why two? I don't know. I just picked a number. You could do five or six. I don't care. But here's what the Word of God says, and Mike reminded us of it. God says that we're supposed to encourage one another. And that's what our message is. It's called good news for a reason. God doesn't abandon us, nor will he ever. He will never fail us. He loves us. We can rely upon him. But this world, it can trick us. It can bring us down. And we need one another to lift each other up. Maybe there's a brother or sister in our church family or one of our missionaries that God's put on your heart. You say, you know, I'm going to write them a letter of encouragement. Let them remind them how much God loves them, that he's with them, that he's working through them and remind them, don't give up. Don't cling back to old ways of trying to do business between yourself and God. Just cling to Jesus. Encourage them. Maybe that's what you do this week because there's power in encouragement. So maybe that's the way that you, you empower God to work in their body together. Or maybe there's something else. I'm, I'm, of course, not God, and so I don't know your heart like he does. And so maybe the Holy Spirit this morning has been speaking to you. There's something he wants you to do. But don't just check off one of these other things, obey the Holy Spirit. But let me know. Why? Because as your pastor, I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you and support you in whatever God is doing in your life. So let us know. Write that down and, and know that you will be supported this week and prayed for. Maybe there's a never commitment or decision that you have to make. Let us know about that or... Uh, or maybe it's just a prayer request. And there's no just thing about prayer requests. Remember where our prayers are heard. In heaven. Why? Because our high priest is in heaven. And that's why when we pray, God does amazing things. And we've seen some incredible miracles here recently, haven't we? So if you have a prayer request, write it down. No, all week long, it's going to be lifted before our Heavenly Father who hears us. So write that down. Here in a couple of minutes, I want you to take these connection cards you filled up and drop it in the offering along with your tithes and your offerings. Let this be a gift of yourself, your heart back to God. Let's pray for these along with our tithes. Will you please join me as we do that now? Heavenly Father, 
But to say you are good is just such an understatement. But it's the best word that we have. You are perfect. You are kind beyond measure. You are loving. You are brave. You are tenacious in your, in your care for us. You are trustworthy. And you care for all of our needs every day. And Father, when you ask us to walk into suffering, we know, Lord, that you're allowing it for a reason because better things are happening. And we know, Father, as you told us through your Son, that this world is not our home and there's a better one coming. And so, Father, we can trust you. We can trust you with today and tomorrow. I thank you that I know that I'm never going to out-sin my salvation. I thank you for the security of knowing that you're never going to fall out of love with me. But Father, I pray this. Help me to always fall deeper in love with you. Help us as a congregation to love you with, with passion, with a ferocity that, that makes the world stand up and take notice. Father, I traded my life for yours. So do with my life what is best for you and your kingdom. I pray that for our congregation. Lord, I pray for these these decisions that are made today. Father, whether it be to memorize your word or to read it, to go to you daily in praise and reminding of how great you are, if it's, Lord, to encourage one another or if it's something else. Father, whatever decisions have been made, help us to keep those, not as an act of, of a good work, but, Father, as an act of expression of our deep love for you, for you are worthy. So take these, these decisions, Father, and bless them, multiply them in our lives so that your kingdom can come in Estes. Father, for these tithes and these gifts and these offerings, Lord, who of us here doesn't have a home or food or clothes? You take care of us every day. We're here because you prove yourself true. Thank you for meeting our needs. Now, Father, I pray that you would accept our tithes and our gifts as not as something that we do out of ritual, but, Father, as an expression of our gratitude, as a statement of our dependence upon a God who loves us so much that you're not going to let us drop. Take these gifts, Lord, please, and bless them. Grow them so that your kingdom can grow in our hearts and our community. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.